This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. That one you to all the bicycle riders, seen? Bicycle rider, bicycle rider. Bike rider, my other bike rider. And good morning and welcome to summer version of Yarra Bicycle News Group Radio. Uh, today we're going to be speaking to Sarah Im and Paul Van Berlin from uh, he's from uh, Gazelle Bicycles Australia and Sarah we've had on the show a couple of times over the last year from Villa Aporte talking about e-bikes. So quick break and we'll be back with Sarah and Paul. I'm with Paul Van Bellen, a very good friend of mine, who is also the owner of Gazelle Dutch Bicycles Australia. And we are going to talk about e-bikes today. So how are you, Paul? Yeah, good, thanks, Sarah. Thanks Thanks for for coming uh, along. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, good fun. So e-bikes. I guess I wanted to lead off by asking what type of e-bike you ride. Well, I obviously ride a gazelle bike. Gazelles are from the Netherlands, and in the Netherlands, most people ride what's called a, a city-style bike. So it's a bit more upright. It's got mud guards, racks, light systems, obviously all practical features to use as a bike to commute around. So we, we specialize in those sorts of bikes, and that's what I ride myself. Right. And and which which particular model do you ride? I, I ride a model called the Orange C8. <laughs> yeah, C stands for city, and 8 stands for 8-speed. Yeah, basically, if it's if it has hub gears, they deem it a city bike, and if it has derailleur gears, they call it a hybrid. Yeah, so we bring in our four models into Australia uh, at the moment, uh, four different electric models, and uh, the C8 is uh, one of the more popular ones because in Australia, most people tend to like the uh, the hub drive bikes with the electric uh, assistance. I wanted to ask you then, you know, when did when did you personally start riding an e-bike? It was probably about six, seven years ago. Oh, wow, uh, that, that long ago. Yeah, well, when that, that was when we started selling them in Australia. Yes. At the time, I mean, they've come a long way. Yeah, They're much better now because back then it was all hub drive bikes, was, you know, oh, like right. hub driven in the front wheel. And the Gazelle ones were, were fairly tame in assistance because, you know, they were primarily designed for, for flatter Holland. Um, I mean, they were still better, you know, still easier to ride than a non-electric, but it was um, it was a bit different back then. So, but no, it was it was uh, it was one of the first ones, I guess. Like there was there wasn't too many people. There was a few people around on the petrol-powered bikes, yes. and um, around the time that we started bringing those in, a few other people started getting on the scene six months or twelve months later, and it all just sort of started, you know, going from there. 
It's an interesting point that you bring up about the hub in the front wheel because I I have an Easy Sprint made by uh, a Chinese company called Easy, and I think I have the hub in the front wheel. Yep. Still, it, it's it's like a bit of a different ride, isn't it? Yeah. Between having a front wheel and then the back, which is what I I rode recently because um, I had a little accident with my my Sprint. Somebody backed into it, and so <laughs> I had to get it fixed. And I borrowed a Gazelle, and it it feels like a slightly I don't quite describe it. It's like a slightly smoother. I, I don't. I don't quite know how to describe that. Can, yeah, sure. Can Can you sort of? Well, the smoothness factor will come down to a few things. You know, obviously there's the design and the design of the bike itself, right. um, and also the sophistication of the the controller software that basically controls the whole electric assistance. You know, you, oh, you can. Okay. Yeah, you can get. You can get. As a general rule, the more you pay, the more sophisticated software oh, sure. you're going to get. But the easy bikes are known to be quite powerful. So when you have a powerful bike, mm-hmm. it is harder to give that smooth feel because obviously oh, the, the powerful assistance is going to is, is, is you know is going to be at the detriment of that smooth feel. Um, the Gazelles are not necessarily the most powerful bike. I mean, mm-hmm. the the Easies potentially have a bit more pull, but for mid-drive systems now, they're they're certainly adequate for uh, for just most hill climbing situations. Right. So I guess yeah, there's a bit of a compromise. You know, you're basically mm-hmm. trying to find that sweet spot of enough power to get just about anywhere, but also yes. you want a nice smooth ride so people enjoy the bike. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I think that's a, the right way to kind of describe the difference. And and I, you know, the thing for me was when I when I first tried an e-bike, it was like it was kind of like a revelation. Like, mm, you know, yeah. my mind kind of went boom and I thought, wow, okay, this actually opens up more possibilities for me. Did, did you kind of have a similar experience when you first yeah. tried? Yeah, well, I actually specifically remember the very first time I tried an e-bike and it was at the Gazelle factory in the Netherlands. I, oh, um, they, right. Yeah, it was one of their first prototype bikes. I was there in 2008, I guess. Yes. So, yeah, what's that, mm-hmm. seven years ago. I was going. I went over there, and the market for electric bikes was just starting to get going there. You know, they were right. that particular year. I think in the Netherlands they sold about 50, like twenty thousand e-bikes, like the whole market. And now it's around three, four hundred thousand. So it's gone wow. from twenty thousand to three, four hundred thousand in about seven, seven years, I guess. Yeah, but when yeah. they had their first one, uh, I got. I remember specifically getting in the the car park of. Uh, the gazelle factory and getting yes. on it and as soon as i rode away I, yeah this is this is the future for sure yeah, uh, yeah. i mean it, it basically hit me straight away i knew yeah th- th- this was essentially going to be the future for for country well not not, not just over there but also mm-hmm. for for countries like australia where the infrastructure is is is, is average to, to poor generally yes. Yes. and uh you know the pressure to go a bit faster is there with cars around you and also mm-hmm. uh, the hills and the heat and it just made too much sense. And you tune into 3CR from December 21 to January 17 for summer programming for a great selection of community radio treats and an eclectic range of summer specials. You'll hear highlights from 3CR's Unique Beyond the Bars 2015, documentaries and current affairs, historical reflections on HIV campaigning, and one-off specials like the David Bowie fan retrospective. Language programs such as The Voice of West Papua, 
focus on Palestine and Summer of Greek Resistance will run throughout the season. And don't forget music specials, the reggae groove, the Raven's Lair, Music is My Radar, Weird Girls, Wicked Women and Gaelic music on New Year's Eve. Visit 3cr.org.au slash summer specials for a full schedule. There's still plenty of reasons to stay tuned to 3CR over summer. Okay, so Paul, I wanted to ask you then, how do you use your e-bike? I guess I asked that question in reference to how you might use it differently to a push bike. Well, I use my... I use my uh, my e-bike primarily just to get around. Obviously, like you know, I'm I'm not using it for for sports or yeah. or uh, you know, like fitness exclusively. It's basically a means from from A to B. Yes. Um, I ride to work every day. I work about five. I live about five six kilometers from work, so it's a perfect distance for a a pretty relaxed uh, bike ride. Yeah, so primarily it's to get me to work. So that's obviously basically five days a week. I'm using it twice a day there. Um, If I'm going up to the supermarket, my local supermarket's about a kilometre and a half away. I just put a couple of panniers on the back. Mm -hmm. I I cycle up there. And just I just basically use it for local trips. Sometimes I go into the city and use the push bike because it's just so easy to park, obviously. So there's lots of – I'm primarily using it for trips up to – 10 kilometers is probably the best way I can put it. I think the, cap- the capability is a lot longer, but mm-hmm. I guess where the tricky part is is once again the infrastructure side of things because uh, if you had nice bike paths everywhere where well, you could probably tra- travel 20 kilometers without too much of a fuss, but you know, even traveling 10 kilometers through Sydney can be a bit laborious with uh, left, you know, twists and turns everywhere. So, um, yeah, but you know, obviously I think most of us, Tend to stay within our ten, you know, five to ten kilometer radius of where we live. So you know, it's it does eighty, ninety percent of the trips that I need to do around the local area. So it's yeah. it's very it's very very handy. The reason why I ask that question is because the way that I use my e-bike is very similar to what you do, except yep. that I I ride mine um, in the summer. Okay. I ride mine specifically in the summer because, as we know, Sydney is quite hilly, and and where I live in Surrey Hills, it's it's hilly because it's Surrey Hills. And to get into the city, you know, on like a 30-some degree day, I um, I need that e-bike for that little bit of a boost. Yep. Um, so that that's kind of – that's that's my reference to to that question as well because in in the winter, I'll ride a, I'll ride a push bike just to get that added. Yeah, 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 with, yeah. Um, with, um, you know, fitness. But I know that you ride your e-bike all the time because – we went for lunch, and I knew that that was you parked outside the French restaurant because I thought, oh, it's a gazelle, and it looked awesome. And I thought, oh, it's winter. E-bike, why not? Yeah, and also, um, I mean, I guess the question could come up, you know, do I necessarily need an e-bike? You know, if I'm going to work or some kind of meetings or something, you know, you, you may be dressed up in clothes that you would normally, say, drive in a car. And uh, if I'm on a traditional bike, uh, there's a good chance I'm going to raise a, a bit of a sweat, I guess. So, whereas with the e-bike, I find that 
the exercise you get from an e-bike is very similar to maybe walking. You know, you, the, the heart rate does go up, and you do actually feel like you've done a, a light workout, but you're not necessarily sweating. When I when I cycle to work each day, it takes me about 15 minutes each way. So I sent by riding a pedal assist electric bike, it's, it's as if I was walking for 15 minutes in the morning and walking for 15 minutes in the afternoon. So I mean, that's half an hour a day of walking. I do that five times a week. It's two and a half hours, and yes. times that by fifty-two weeks, and all of a sudden, yes. you've you've actually done quite a lot of ex- you know, quite a lot of incidental exercise on your commute. So I, I find it actually very effective for sort of exercise per se. Obviously, it's not you're not doing a a, a really strenuous activity, but I think that's mm-hmm. what so many people lack, isn't it? You know, on a daily yes. basis, they just miss out on that fifteen-minute walk or thirty-minute exactly. walk, and that's where the e-bike's perfect. It's it's really good for that, actually. I totally agree because yeah. I, I get a comment sometimes from people who say, "Oh, you're riding an e-bike? Oh, that's cheating!" It's cheating. It's cheating, and I look at them like, "Oh, well, actually, it's not because I'm fitting my exercise in, yeah. and um, I'm actually getting some exercise. I'm not cheating. It's not like I'm using petrol right now." <laughs> No, you know, no. it's it's an it's an interesting comment that it that is it is yeah. because you know also getting to work it's not a race right getting to work is just getting to work <laughs> yeah. getting to work safely right it's it's definitely the most common comment you get I think uh, yeah. comes from a bit of a misconception of what an e bike is I think there's yes. an assumption that it's like a scooter you just sit there and with a throttle but you in this case obviously well, a lot of the e bikes you do have to pedal and the other thing too is I think there's when people say you're cheating, they're coming from a place of, of, of like their perception of what cycling actually is. You know, for a lot of people, if you say cycling, the image they have is lycra, mm-hmm. exercise, fitness, guys on racing bikes. You know, yes. so so basically, in that sense, it is cheating because obviously you're doing a pursuit for for exercise reasons. But I guess people haven't quite got their head around the fact that you can also use a bike as a commuting tool yes. and therefore you're not necessarily commuting purely for exercise. You're commuting to get from A to B. You know, it's, Absolutely. It, mm-hmm. I don't really get in big discussions about it because I'd be probably wasting my time. But when someone <laughs> says to me, oh, you're cheating on an e-bike, I find it curious. And I think, yes. oh, but flexing your calf on a pedal moving two tons of metal is completely yes. fine. Yes. It's kind of curious. No one steps out of a car and says, "Oh, you're cheating." Mm-hmm. So it's, but anyway, it's obviously, perception. yeah, 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 yeah. It's just obviously yeah. wrapped up in the in the public perception of what cycling is, and because, city, mm-hmm. yeah, city cycling in Australia has essentially lost a lot of its momentum throughout the early 1900s, mm-hmm. and obviously the car became king, and therefore cycling basically became more of a, a sporting exercise activity. Exactly. But yeah, and now, of course, as we all know. Cycling is trying to, to come re- back. reclaim yeah. what it had before. So exactly. it's a That's bit right. of an interesting journey. It is. I, I completely agree. I think that the other thing that's quite interesting about the perception of riding an e-bike in the city and commuting into the CBD every day what I find interesting, and tell me what you think of this as well, is that when I'm on an e-bike and I have it on full pedal assist, I keep up with the traffic. And I find that when I keep up with the traffic, drivers tend to give me more respect 
I, I don't know if you've you've yeah. experienced this as well, but they, they kind of like give you the space. I mean, it's up to you, I think, as, as, a, as a more confident cyclist to take the lane where, you know, it's necessary for your own safety as well as, you know, just being quite visible. Has that been your experience as well? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think that's an important point. You know, the road system is set up primarily for cars at the moment. So basically, yes. as a someone riding a bicycle on a road, you're entering the car driver's domain. You know, they feel mm-hmm. like they have a bit of ownership of that space. Yes. So obviously, when you're moving at the similar speed, they, they feel like, okay, you can be part of our little group here. As soon as uh, there's a cyclist uh, just going a bit slower than a car, that's when the frustration sets in. And obviously, yes. the speed limits in our urban and congested city areas is still rel- is still too high for, for cyclists. You know, mm-hmm. Obviously, in a lot of places in Europe, it'll be a 30-kilometer-hour limit, and therefore, yes. that's much more in line with what a, a cyclist might be doing. Yeah. The New International Bookshop, Melbourne's famous left-wing bookshop. We stock the widest range of left-wing literature and merchandise, as well as heaps of cheap quality second-hand books. Visit Nibs at Trades Hall, 54 Victoria Street, Carlton, or online at www.newinternationalbookshop.org.au. The New International Bookshop is a 3CR supporter. And you're listening to Yarra Bicycle User Group Radio on Community Radio 3CR 855 AM digital and live streaming and on demand and a whole bunch of ways you can listen to Yarra Bug Radio. Okay, we're just going to go into the third part and the final part of uh, an interview with Sarah M from Villa Aporte and Paul Van Berlin from Gazelle Bikes Australia. They're talking about e-bikes. Yeah, so, so basically, obviously, the city speed limits in Australia are still relatively high from a cyclist point of view, and e-bikes um, certainly give you that extra few kilometres to, to make you feel safer. There is a pressure when you're on a bicycle. You, you yes. feel it straight away that cars will be up there behind you sort of giving you that feeling of like, come on, come on, mm-hmm. and uh, especially on hills. You know, if you stop at a red Definitely. light on a hill – yeah, to to get going, uh, it's not that easy on a on a standard push bike, and the yeah. e bike gets you going that much quicker. Absolutely, get some respect, yeah. I think, that way, and and a little bit of I, I get this kind of surprise. I feel like the sense of surprise from drivers yep. around me. Definitely, like they 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 they're a really good transition tool as well. So to sort of they start are. getting people on bicycles, I mean, it's uh yeah, no good points. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so just some funny little questions here to wrap up. So Paul, what what's your favorite outfit? On the e <laughs> <laughs> My favourite outfit? Yes. Well, my favourite outfit is just whatever clothes I happen to be liking, even if I'm not riding a bike. I don't I don't change yeah. my clothes to exactly. suit the bike. The bike exactly. suits is designed to suit my needs. Yes. Not the other way around. You know, yes. So, you know, for example, my well, it's very common on, on Dutch bikes, and in this case gazelles, that they have, you know, chain guards, full chain guards. You can yes. wear pants, you can wear dresses, whatever you want. Exactly. You don't have to worry about getting grease on you. There's step-through bikes making it very easy for women with skirts and dresses on. So I do. I basically wear whatever I would normally wear driving a car. Like yes. in my in my opinion, 
a true city bike is if you could wear it sitting in a car, you should be able to wear it sitting on a bike. If you have to change your clothes because mm. of your bike, mm-hmm. then there's something not quite right with the design yes. of that city bike, basically. Yes. Obviously, some people commute on very sporty bikes. That's, that's, that's sort of a different kettle of fish, but we're talking yes. about the sort of classic more city bike, which, mm-hmm. you know, is uh, – was a lot more common in Australian past. It's still very common. It's basically the most sold bike worldwide. But in Australia, yes. we're obviously trying to regain that uh, that element of the in, in the cycling mix. Exactly. So, yeah. so then, does that mean that because the Gazelle um, has uh, a chain guard, that you don't necessarily do something special with your trousers? Because I was going to ask you then, like, do you use a trouser clip or do you put your trouser cuff into your sock or are you a roll up your trouser kind of a, kind of a guy yeah well i'm none of those i don't have to do <laughs> well, basically once again if you have to tuck in your pants into your sock or put yes. a clip around your pants yes then there's something that the bike is not doing for you you know so once again a full chain guard there's mm-hmm. no risk of pants going into chain so they i mean basically imagine i designed a car i always use a car as a reference because everyone's yes. very familiar with driving cars but if you had to change your clothes or or tuck your pants into your socks when you got into a car that would be something that most people would demand needs to be changed there's a design fault there somewhere yes. and obviously with the city bike once again you don't need to do any of that but it's something that's still very alien to a lot of people here you know we we get people that come into our work Mm -hmm. and they feel like they need to change into lycra they're getting on a city bike but they're so associated cycling with sport and exercise Mm -hmm. that they haven't quite made that link that that you don't need to you know it's it's been a little bit harder than I imagined. I thought it'd be quite obvious for people, but then I sort of realized so much of this is conditioning. You know, we're, yes, we're, we're basically creatures of habit and, and people right. do a certain thing, certain way the whole lifetime. And then you're literally showing them something new, but yes. they're still getting their head around this whole concept. So it's, yeah. it's, it's very interesting psychology behind it all, actually. But, you know, once people, what I find is once they buy a bike like this, mm-hmm. at first, I mean, a lot of the customers that buy our bike have made quite a significant investment. You know, there's multiple oh, thousands definitely. of dollars. So yes. they're quite serious about it. But it's not until you speak to them months later when they come in for their first service when all of a sudden that little light has switched off, switched yes. on and they, they, they all of a sudden get it. It, it literally yes. takes them a few months of use, though, because all mm-hmm. of a sudden they, re- they, they, they come back and they say, this bike's great. I can just wear my normal clothes. And yes. it's like – yeah, that's right. You don't need to change. That, exactly. That's the beauty of it. You don't have to think about anything. You just get on and ride. Yes, um, I, to- I totally agree. It, it was interesting because a friend of mine recently, she, uh, her partner actually won an e-bike, um, a different brand. And I asked her, you know, did you try riding it recently? And she said, oh, yeah, I rode it, but it was really heavy. And I said to her, what do you mean it was heavy? And she said, oh, I just, I just rode it and I just found it, you know, like, it was a really heavy bike. And I said, are you saying that you didn't turn the power on? And she said, oh, I was supposed to turn the power on. And I said, yes. Okay. <laughs> so even that is like a little bit of a, you know, uh, it's, it's like a giant paradigm shift to, to basically get people to think like, oh, no, this is an e-bike. It can actually help you. Right? Yeah. Because, because she, she just thought, oh, I'll just get on this bike and, oh, it's a bit heavy. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I, sure. I, I, I totally I totally agree with what you mean about how it is actually a, a shift in terms of perception.
in terms of just you personally, Paul, I, I wanted to ask you this question. If money were no object, which e-bike would you buy? I'm very, very happy with the one I got. <laughs> I mean, well, basically, it does everything I want. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's a city bike. I mean, we import – I mean, I'm going to a little plug here for Gazelle, but Gazelles <laughs> are like a premium city bike. So it's hard to find ones, in my opinion, that uh, are better at the job that they do. You know, so, so um, I'm, you know, I, I'm super happy with the bike I have. I mean, maybe – I do like it when bikes go a bit faster because there is a pressure to go faster. So I'd keep the bike, you know, one that could, you know, potentially go a little bit faster than the average. I basically have the bike I want. If I wanted something else, I would get it. I mean, money, no object. If you, at the top of the barrel, you're spending about $4,000. The bike I have is worth $4,000, but I don't own a car. So it's very cheap transport for me. You don't have to spend, I mean, you say if money was no object on a car, you can be spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. With an e-bike, you can get the Mercedes-Benz of e-bikes at four thousand dollars, and that lit and, the, and this thing actually replaces a car. So, in actual fact, it's very quite cost-effective. So, I'm very very happy with what I got. Well, thank you very much, Paul, for joining. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's good questions. Thanks, Sarah. My pleasure. In the Arts Express summer season, Valerie Farfalla and Trish Posterino are running four special programs on Australian women in jazz. First of all, we'll hear from jazz drummer and organiser of the Melbourne Women in Jazz Festival, Sonia Horbelt. Then contemporary violinist Zani Kolak, sax player Angela Davis, pianist and composer Andrea Keller and stunning jazz vocalist Bridget Allen. They'll be performing their music for our listeners either live in the 3CR studio or with their CDs. We'll also look at the history and experiences of jazz women in the traditionally male arena of jazz in Melbourne, how they became heard in the competitive field, working alongside other male and female musicians for the love of jazz. Our special dates for Australian women in jazz are Thursday, December the 17th, Thursday, January the 7th, 21st and 28th of 2016 at 10.30am till 11am on Thursday, so don't forget to tune in. We resume Arts Express in February 2016. And you're listening to Yarra Bosque User Group Radio on Community Radio 3CR 855 AM and Digital. So thank you for today. It's been a very cruisy show. Um, I should be back in probably about a fortnight. We've got another show with Sarah coming up next week. It's a summer series of just... Uh, listening to a different style of, or well, listening to tips about a different style of riding around the city. And uh, today you've probably heard a bit of um, very chilled Charlie Parker and we'll go out with a little bit more Charlie Parker. It's very good for weather like today. Charlie Parker on alto, Miles Davis on trumpet, Tommy Potter on bass and the great Max Roach on drums. To start things jumping without wasting too much time, the bird grooving high.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.